That is a great way to start. Good morning and happy Easter to you guys. My name is Drew and I just want to welcome you here this morning as we gather together to celebrate the most significant event in human history, the resurrection of the Son of God. If uh, you are here for the first time, we're glad you're here with us. If you're here for the 530th time, we're glad that you're here with us. We are just happy to be together to celebrate on a day like this. But if you're visiting, if this is your first, second time, and you're just wanting to know a little bit more about uh, church in general, or Sunnybrook specifically in some of our ministries, or just a little bit about uh, Jesus or, or how things work around here, we would love to help you out with that. There will always be people down here uh, up front at the end of the service who would love to chat with you about anything on your mind. But another way to go about that is you have these little blue cards that are in the pews in front of you, and you can fill that out, and then on your way out the doors this morning, drop it in one of those boxes in the back. Or an even easier way, you can text the word CONNECT to that number right there on the screen. And if you do that, then one of, uh, one of the people on staff here at Sunnybrook, we will be reaching out to you in the next day or two and be happy to answer any questions that you may have. Uh, good to remember what we're about to do before we jump into it. So let me just kind of remind you. Uh, because of Easter Sunday, every other Sunday has significance and meaning now. What takes place on this day and what we celebrate on this day gives purpose and power to all the things that we do in a Sunday morning service. So for example, in just a moment, we're about to read from this book and then have this book expounded to us and taught to us. But because Jesus is risen from the grave, it's important to remember that we're not about to read a, uh, an account of a great historical figure or the wise words of an ancient philosopher. No, instead, we are going to hear from the living Son of God who is speaking today still through this book. And when we join together in communion, we're not just remembering Jesus as we commune together. We are actually communing with the risen Christ who is present in the room with us at that moment. When we sing our songs, they're not just uh, heartfelt tributes to a fallen hero. They're going to be worship to the risen and reigning king who delights present tense in the praises of his people. When we pray together as a body, Jesus hears and responds. When we give towards his mission, Jesus hears and responds. Because of the resurrection, there is no mere ritual on Sunday mornings. Brothers and sisters, what we are about to do is encounter the living Son of God, Jesus Christ, this morning. So prepare your hearts, prepare your minds, and be ready to respond as we read from his word. Our text today is Philippians 2. Verses 5 through 11 says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. 
For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, Drew, could you grab me communion and bring it up to me, please? Good morning, everybody. If you don't have communion, I want to encourage you, if you can right now, to make sure that you have it because we will be concluding our message by sharing together in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so make sure that you you have that so we can do that at the appropriate time. Um, Drew just made a a rather powerful statement and it's a, a great reminder for us, which is this, that every Sunday, thank you, brother, Every Sunday that we gather together lives in light of this, what we are celebrating today, the resurrection of Jesus. That every Sunday finds, um, in a very real sense, its meaning and its purpose, but also its peace and its power from what we are focusing on today. And so I want to begin, actually, by asking you a question, and I just want you to think through this. Because what we are going to be doing is um, approaching this, we're going to be looking at a number of different biblical texts, but we're going to be approaching God's word from our lives, from what's going on in our lives. And what we always say this here, we don't want you to leave your life behind when you come and gather with God's people together. Um, If you are a believer or if you are not a believer, we are glad that you are here, but we ask you to bring everything that you are experiencing in your life into this room, into a place in which the word of God is spoken and prayers are lifted up to him and we live in light of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I ask you, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing right now? Like, do you, do you have a sense of how you were doing, and I, and I truly mean in that way, like your whole self. Um, I had a friend a number of years ago who um, had a husband that was really just struggling at the time, and I asked her how he was doing, and uh, she basically said to me, I've always thought about this line, she said to me, you know, he does little more than just stay at home and watch his favorite news channel, which does little more than just confirm all of his greatest fears. And and that's sometimes what people endure. Um, They they find themselves anxious. And then interestingly enough, like we just, we feed our anxiousness with anxious behaviors and additional anxious thoughts. How are you doing? And, And she said to me, and I was kind of surprised, she said, I'm actually doing really well. I'm doing really well. She wasn't pretending, she wasn't faking, she wasn't just putting on some kind of an air about her. She was actually doing pretty well in light of, the, or in spite of the fact that the last year has been really, really difficult for her and for her family. So I don't know how you are doing, but I would say this, that when we gather together, I, I couldn't help but just reflect on the fact that it's been since 2019 since we gathered together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday, right? We celebrate it on a regular basis, but it's actually been a while. 
I'm even seeing some faces that are pretty regular around here for the first time this morning. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. How, how are you doing? And, and, and what, we, what we love about the Bible, what we love about coming together as the people of God is that we have an opportunity to be real, to be honest, to share our struggles and our fears, to be honest about the brokenness that exists in our lives and the seeming powerlessness to be able to deal with it. And we all come this morning from our particular situations and contexts, and God meets us here this morning. And so you probably have heard, I've heard a number of people give me that kind of that opening line, the Lord is risen, and we respond back with what? He's risen indeed. He's risen indeed. And I don't know if when you say that, you, you just you say it and it's not really from the bottom of where you're feeling or coming from right now. And I would even say this, that what I love about um, life in Christ, the fullness of what it means to have a life in Christ, it means that sometimes I say it and I really mean it, and sometimes I say it and I'm trying to mean it, but I always say it. These powerful truths that define who we are and give us peace and strength and encouragement. And so this morning, what you and I are actually going to do is we are going to wrap up this part of our series. We've been spending some time in 2021 looking through the gospel of Jesus, what the Son of God did. And so we focused every week on some specific encounter, some specific event where Jesus, the Son of God, acted and moved and performed miracles. And we were literally trying to focus on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the power of his presence and the power of his person and how he began to preach and to speak. But more than that, he began to do and people were challenged and confronted and Jesus offered a different way of looking at the world and even looking at God. And we are about to transition actually. Starting next week, we're gonna be not focusing on so much what the Son of God did, but what the Son of God said. And then right between this, kind of standing at the hinge, is actually that reminder that Jesus Christ was in fact resurrected. Why? Because the resurrection does some very important and powerful things for us. I, I think it is appropriate for us to consider. Um, and that is why I noticed last week when Justin was, was delivering a very encouraging and powerful message, he had a hard time stopping just at the death of Jesus. Because why? Because when we consider who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ did, it is important for us to not separate or divorce Christmas from Easter. It's important for us that when we look at who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ did and what Jesus Christ said, that we look at his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension as, as really like a unit. Because indeed, they all fit together. And so this morning, as we look at the resurrection of Jesus, make sure that you are holding on to the resurrection, not just as a wonderful story that speaks about victory and rebirth and a restart. We're not a phoenix rising from the ashes. No, the ashes that are being described there are kind of from the Old Testament imagery. 
So it's not like from the, from the ashes rises this phoenix. No, 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 that's more of like a, like a story. What I'm talking about is a reality that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth. That's why Philippians 2 is our text for today. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, emptied himself and took the form of you and I, human flesh. And then, not only does he take that form, but he takes the form of a servant and humbles himself and becomes obedient to death. But not any kind of death, but the death on the cross. But God did not leave him there. And God exalted him to a name that is above every other name. Because he is in fact the son of God. He was in fact obedient all the way to the point of death. And therefore God raised him and God exalted him so that God would be magnified and glorified that God would be recognized for who he is, a loving and gracious God who died for us, who died for us. And, and therefore, on Easter Sunday, you and I get to, get to go back and, and to reread all of the stories about Jesus in terms of what he did and what he said. And, and what Easter does is it underlines every single one of them and it says this, that's true. Yep, that's true too. Yep, yep, that stuff that he said about himself, that's true. And, and the stuff that he promised to do, yep, that's true. That's what Easter does. Is it, it, it provides for us. How many of you just like things to be proven true that you believe, right? Don't you? See? So that's what Easter does. Easter is where God comes back and puts his stamp of approval, his stamp of recognition, because until God raises Jesus Christ from the dead, there is not the kind of finality that we see. That's why it's easy for us. I was talking to someone this morning, and, and they made this comment. You know, I feel like I would have been just like the disciples. I would have been confused, and I would have been lost, just as they were. Well, what changed everything for them? And the answer is, what changed everything for them was the resurrection of Jesus. It fundamentally changed everything. So how are you doing? Question. Does the resurrection of Jesus change how you look at your life right now in terms of how you are doing? Like what... What informs you? What, what provides confirmation? What provides peace or what provides power to your life and to the circumstances that you are going through right now? And it's just, like Easter really isn't a thing, but Jesus Christ is. Easter is, is, is just when we mark it with, with, with different symbols and, and different ideas, but God proved who Jesus Christ was and what Jesus Christ did. And so when we look at the power of the resurrection, I, I, I want to give you three verses that you'll, it's a collection of verses, in three different places from the book of Acts and from the writings of the Apostle Paul. And I want you to go back to these. I want you to go back to these and to remember that our life is lived not in the shadow of Easter or in the shadow of some kind of vague new hope, but in the power of God through the resurrected Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The power of Easter is noticed when we recognize that the resurrection of Jesus proves to us who Jesus really is and what he has done. 
Our text for that that I want to look at is actually from a sermon that was preached soon after the resurrection of Jesus, when Peter stands in front of a group of individuals, many of them who could probably at least remember or at least know that it wasn't that long ago that Jesus Christ was in fact crucified just outside the city, and that there were rumors that Jesus Christ was in fact alive again. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verses thir- verse 32, we'll read down through verse 36. Peter is trying to help people understand the value and the importance and the purpose of what the resurrection is. Um, when, I, when, I, when I look at this particular sermon and, and, and then a whole bunch of people, like thousands of people, come forward. We don't have that every Sunday. There's the odd Sunday that a thousand people come forward. But ordinarily, we don't have a thousand people who come forward. And so I would read this and I would go, wow, that must be an amazing sermon. And then I would read it again and I would go, I mean, it was very informative. I, I, can I, am I allowed to say this? I think I've heard better sermons. Am I allowed to say that than the one that is preached here? And maybe because they're, they're borrowing from this amazing text. But in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a sermon. And in that sermon, what he's trying to get them to understand and see is the value and, and the, the meaning behind that Jesus Christ was who he says he was. And notice what, he, what, what Peter draws attention to. The reason why 3,000 people were baptized that day as the Holy Spirit came and empowered and demonstrated a reality was that he was underlining the fact that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. So beginning in verse 32, this is how Peter's kind of wrapping up, right? This is the, you know, the preacher says, finally, he doesn't mean it. He's got another 20 minutes to go. But this is kind of, Peter actually, before we did that, Peter, Peter was kind of bringing it to a close. So look at what he says here in verse 32. God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. So what we actually see Peter is describing at the very beginning of the message, they're speaking in tongues, in other languages, and this mass amounts of people are hearing them in, in their own language. And these men are speaking in such a way that they, they believe, okay, these guys have been drinking and it's early in the morning. And Peter says, we're not drunk as some of you assume. But he begins to describe that what you were actually seeing was promised by the prophets and it is the pouring of God's spirit because something radical has happened because something profound has been done and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he essentially says this, this is what's happening. The spirit has been poured out. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens but he himself says, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And here he is quoting yet another promise that God was in, in fact going to not just give us something to believe in, but that he would verify what he has asked us to believe in, which is that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who came, away, who came to take away the sins of the world. And therefore he says in verse 36, listen to this, therefore. Therefore let all of the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. 
And God has made him. God has verified this. God has underlined this. And and, and listen, I, I know that you and I can have questions or we can sit here and just marvel at the fact that you and I believe in a story where Jesus Christ is not only making bold statements, but he is killed and dies a violent death. And and then unlike my grandma and your grandma and unlike people that you know and that I know, he does not remain dead. And what you need to understand is this. The kind of resurrection that Jesus Christ experienced is different than the kind of resurrection that we see in John 11. This isn't like a resuscitation. It, It doesn't, in fact, deny death. When Lazarus died, Jesus intercedes on his behalf and goes, no, 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 death, not yet, not yet. But the kind of resurrection that you and I celebrate this morning, the kind of resurrection that God brings into account here, okay, is not the kind of, no, 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 death, not yet. It's, no, 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 death, not ever again. So the kind of resurrection that we actually see in Jesus is, and this is what blew their minds. This is why they were incapable of understanding it. It was the end time resurrection where death would be defeated and death would be done. Lazarus, Jairus' daughter, everyone else in the Bible who was somehow brought back to life was just resuscitated to die again. But Jesus Christ died and then was raised from the grave. And at that moment, something more uh, profound, something more substantial. Th- th- this is why when I ask, how are you doing? We don't live in light of the fact that somehow Jesus was brought back to life again. No, no, no. Jesus Christ himself was raised from the dead. Finally, ultimately, death is defeated. Do you understand that? And the answer is, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to live in light of that proof and in light of the meaning and the purposes behind that truth. So Jesus Christ can say whatever he wants, but God verifies that what he says is true. And and that should shape us. It should mold our, our thinking and it should begin to take all of the troubles that we are feeling or all of the great joys that we are hoping and, and what the resurrection does and what the resurrection should do is, is not just provide a reason for us to meet every Sunday, but for us to have a reason um, to go through every day. Now, how do we do that? It's interesting that the Apostle Paul then picks this up and in two very powerful and encouraging texts, he gives two, two things to, to the believer that I think are essential for us to really live the way that that song that we just sang, living in victory. When I hear that song sometimes, I, I just wonder, like, is that how I live? Like, do you guys just wake up in the morning and just go, victory is mine, right? How many of you do that? No, unless you've watched like Dead Poets Society the night before, like you don't do that, right? This isn't gladiator, sorry, Paul. This, it's, it's like, this is real life. Right? So we roll out of bed and go, coffee, coffee. Is it your turn, Andrea? Coffee. But the Apostle Paul says, through the resurrection of Jesus, and again, what I love about him is he doesn't, just the resurrection, no, no, no. Through the, the life, death, 
resurrection and ascension, the sending of the Spirit, all of those things, like life is different. Here's what the resurrection does. You ready? The resurrection provides peace to us since we can know, in fact, we are forgiven. We know we are forgiven. I'm not asking you, and by the way, I think your feelings are very important, and I think your thoughts are equally important. So how you feel and how you think, now what, I, what, what the Bible says is, can we bring those together to have a real conversation? Can we bring those together? Well, why do you not feel forgiven? Because of the weight of my sin. Because of all the things that I've done. And the reason why I can't, I, I'll never say it, it is hard for me to think about all the things that I have done. And the weight of that is too much for me to bear. That's why I don't feel forgiven. What do you do in moments like that? Oh, it's not that bad. You know, everybody else has done it. No, 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 no. We, we talk about what Jesus Christ has accomplished. We, we begin to take our anxieties and our fears and our concerns about abandonment and rejection from the almighty God and we, we take them to a place where we then begin to feel and think the way the Bible teaches us to feel and to think. We, we, we take them, and this is what I love about this, we take them to the teachings of Jesus and he speaks to us. We take them to the cross and he takes care of that. We take them to the empty tomb and we find that something has been done. We take them to the ascension and we realize that the power of the Holy Spirit now enables us to feel and to think the way the Bible wants us to feel and think. And so the Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15 is a great resurrection chapter where the Apostle Paul speaks about the power of the resurrection. I want to pick it up in the middle of verse 14. or it's Verse 14, it's in the middle of a sentence. But Paul is trying to let them understand just the importance of believing that there is a resurrection, first of all. Some people didn't even believe in a... Can you imagine people who don't believe in a resurrection? And Paul's trying to point out, no, there is a resurrection. And it's important to our theology. That's why if you don't believe in um, the power of the resurrection, then the best that you can try to do is feel your way through this life or think your way through this life. But what the resurrection does is it brings those two things together and says, bring it all to me and let the power of who I am, my life, my death, my resurrection and ascension, let it bring perspective and power and peace to your life. Apostle Paul says this, and if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. Yep, we don't have an Easter message that just says, we're just trying to pull this through. You can do this. Anybody want to hear a really, really cool story about somebody that kind of just pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps or just refused to give up, refused to give in, refused to stop, and he just kept doing it, and that's what the resurrection, no, that's not what the resurrection is about. The resurrection is God stepping into human history and saying death is defeated. And so the Apostle Paul says, if there is no resurrection, then all that we are preaching is vain, and your faith is useless if Jesus Christ has not been, in fact, resurrected. Verse 15, moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ. So the preaching that happens continually 
was not some kind of, we can do better at this or we should try harder at that. It wasn't some kind of moral perfectionism. It wasn't Christian people trying to be nicer and kinder and sweeter than everybody else. No, it was in fact a different kind of people who were living a resurrected, Holy Spirit-empowered, peace-governed life that was different than everyone else around them. And they preached this. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. See that? If Christ has not been raised, then your faith means nothing. We do not have faith in faith. We don't have faith in our hope. We don't have faith in our, we have faith in Jesus Christ who took our sins to the cross. And how do you know you're forgiven? Here's how I know I'm forgiven. I know that Jesus Christ went to the cross, but that was not the end of it. And God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, giving proof that in fact he is accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so I know my sins are taken away because Jesus Christ was in fact raised from the dead. And that is where we find peace. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, he says, we should be pitied more than anyone. I love this text because it reminds me to not ever settle for a kind of faith or a kind of hope or a kind of peace that does not deal with reality. That does not deal with my sins. And and that is why I understand the overwhelming sense that my sin is too much and I don't know how God forgave me. I get it. So what makes me feel forgiven when I remember that Jesus Christ was in fact raised from the dead? And then all of a sudden, my, my mind and my heart begin to communicate with one another. And I am reminded over and over and over again that God has proven his power over my sin by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. That, that God has proven his love for me in this, that he has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That, that God has proven his acceptance for me and for you, for us. By what? By, in fact, raising Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't know if I feel it. So here, here's what happens, is that when, when, when we say that, I don't know if I feel it, I don't know if I'm there yet, well then what we do is we remind one another that in fact Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Yeah, I know, I, I heard you say that, but I still don't know if I feel it. Okay, then, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to remind you yet once again. I, I'm somebody that needs to be reminded. Just ask my wife and friends. And maybe you need to be reminded. But, but I'm telling you, you will find no sense of peace anywhere else than the fulfillment of the promise. Behold the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. Yeah, but John, how do we know? How do we know that that actually happened? And the answer is the empty tomb. That's the answer. Well, it's still not really doing it for me. And and so what we try to do is we try to find alternative ways to bring people peace. We we try to make sin not that big of a deal. We we try to to somehow numb or to compensate where I'm telling you, I'm increasingly convinced that all we can do is to continue to love and to proclaim the truth. 
that we have peace with God because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only do we have this peace, but lastly, we have a power. We have a power. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings power to us. That song and the the victory that we actually have is a reminder that the resurrection of Jesus Christ empowers us through the power of the Holy Spirit. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ points to and draws attention to that Jesus Christ is in fact who he claimed to be, the Messiah. And as Messiah, he sends the Spirit. The Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit so that you and I are filled with the presence of God himself. And that, 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 that power, that presence of, of, of God in us through his Spirit is what then empowers us in so many ways. And, and so the, the kind of power-filled life is, is not like a locker room pep, speak, pep speech. It's not some kind of encouragement that can come from a, a card or a dozen flowers. No, 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 no. The kind of power that we look at is actually been given by Jesus Christ himself through the falling of the Holy Spirit upon us. Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, and I want you to hear this kind of power-filled life. Because when I ask how you're doing, there should be the shadow of or the importance of um, the witness of the, uh, the Holy Spirit living in us, which empowers us. The Holy Spirit always, when it came in the Bible, came to empower people to accomplish God's purposes. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 8. Those who are in the flesh, that means those who are people who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, those who have not decided to trust who Jesus Christ is and find hope and life and peace in him. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, so those of us this morning who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, who are about to eat and to drink and to celebrate what he has accomplished, we are not living in the flesh, meaning we're not satisfying the flesh. We're not living in a mere, we're not living a mere human existence. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, And by the way, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, the answer to that question is yes, the Holy Spirit empowers us. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and I'm here to testify to you, brothers and sisters, he lives in me Question, does he live in you? Does the Spirit live in you? Now, now by the way, we we know that the Spirit lives in us because we have, in fact, trusted in the work of Jesus Christ. We have put our faith in what he accomplished in the cross. And so then the answer is that the Spirit now lives in us. If the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through the Spirit who lives in you. And, and this isn't just in our mortal bodies. He brings us to life. What he's talking about is a kind of living and a kind of empowerment in which we say no to sin and we say yes to godliness and we see the Christian um, life being magnified and personified in us. What we actually see is a different way of, a way of living, a different way of responding to sin, a different way of responding to temptation, a different way. Jesus Christ says that you will know the fruit 
of my disciples. You will know that they are mine by the fruit that they bear. That you will be able to look at them and you will actually see me in them. And yet, sadly enough, many of us, when we talk about our life, we, we, we talk not about victory, we talk about struggles and defeat. And by the way, I don't mind those moments of honest recognition and confession. But I pray that you don't stop there. I, I pray that because of Easter, that you also talk about the peace that you know that you have in Christ. That you also not only talk about those moments of failures and struggles and difficulty, but because of the spirit that now lives in you, you also talk about overcoming. And you also talk about those moments. I I think the church needs to do this. Our church needs to do this, is to talk more and to highlight more the power that you and I have and that we have seen in our lives and in our relationships as God has made himself known by his spirit that is dwelling in us, that we become a living, breathing testimony of the fact that Jesus Christ, in fact, was raised from the dead and has sent his Holy Spirit upon us who believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and so that you and I now have that same power because that spirit now lives in us. Do you see it? I mean, do you recognize it? And so when someone says, I'm not, I'm not feeling it, I'm not experiencing it, what do we do? We remind them of texts like Romans 8. We remind them of what God has in fact done. And so we are actually transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 really is our text for this morning. And Philippians 2 is, is a story, is a testimony that in fact Jesus Christ emptied himself. He gave him himself, and that is what we do. We empty ourselves. We, we give ourselves wholly and completely to God. And, and then notice the power of Philippians 2, that a life completely surrendered to God when it is broken and broken down and it finds itself at the end, that it is at that moment that God steps in and, and brings from that brokenness new life. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so this Easter morning, you and I are able to live out of the power of an empty tomb. We are able to find peace and power through the message and the power of the Holy Spirit. So take the cup and the juice. And in this, as I've said before, what you and I are about to do is to remember the complete story of who Jesus Christ is. That in fact, it it would be wrong and inappropriate for us to look at these things and to just look at his death. No, what you and I look at is the complete story of who Jesus Christ is. His body given to us and his blood poured out for us. And God gave proof that what you and I are about to eat and drink in fact, changes everything. He did this how? By raising him from the dead. So let us take the bread and eat it. And let us take the cup and drink.